right, welcome to Uncommonly Good with me, Alan Ladd, and Mike Reed. So this is episode nine, part two of our little mini-series here. Okay, uh, Coach Reed, go ahead and recap us from part one. Yeah, part one. So we're going to talk about the DNA, the rough side of the mountain, which I, like I, I think, yeah, I think it was a great way of you kind of phrasing that and bringing that up. That you got to raise your kids from some some form of struggle. You got to figure out how to, as we're raising our kids, whether it's in a business or athletics or even personally in our own life, how much we learn from that. Attitude over work, how it doesn't matter if you don't have a positive attitude as you're heading into work and what you want to do with what you, how you're hanging in work, then it, it's going to be an uphill climb for you. Right. What's free to you is money to me. We talked about the I do ja- like that. We need to put that on a t-shirt. Well, we talked about the Jack Allen. Second time we talked about Jack Allen and just how important attendance was in being present all the time to yes. never stop learning. Blind confidence. Don't worry about what you don't have. Build with what you do have. And we, that's where we talked about in part one with rule and the facilities. How every day being being in the gymnasium yes. that didn't have AC, so if it was 110 outside teaching a PE class, it's 125 inside with easily. 45 kids, and one one heater going on in the gym was did not handle anything but just spitting the wind. Right, coach with your hair on fire. Have a plan for now and long term, because failure to do that has successes and 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 not big results. And don't be of that flash in the pan. So just kind of recapping kind of what we went through with part one. I, I felt like that felt like those were the nuggets that really kind of came out of that DNA part of where of where we're at. Going into the next part of where we're at is hit the pause button and get ready for right, play. The pause button to play. Yeah. So in 2005, I ended up sitting there figuring out, man, we have, we have came so close. Like we've come so close with getting to where we need to. We've had some individual victories, and we could have so many different individual conversations over successes that anybody in a business has talked about these small victories that, that were really instrumental in, in building and where they're going. And I felt like we had that through those first three years. So in the spring, going into that that summer of of 2006, I ended up having the kids fill out a questionnaire. Okay. The questionnaire was about three pages that you do not write your name on. We had about 30-something kids in the program, and I did not want them to put their names on it to where it was, what do you think about Mike Reed? So for you to get feedback just about you or... Athletics in general, both. both. Yeah, both. absolutely okay. both. So it's their, it's kind of their end of the year meetings. You know, they do NFL, NBA, they all do that. So I wanted the hard truth. Your version it of it was kind of my first time. I really kind of wanted the hard truth to figure out. I have the whole summer to figure out what our areas of mistakes have been, me individually, and as the program individually. Right. When you tell kids not to put their name on something, and it, oh. and it's getting turned in, and it's random and everybody's got the same color pencil so there's nothing I can't walk around and say ooh that kid had a blue pencil that kid had a red pencil that's what he meant it it really brought some truce out if for me out of the 35 kids if five of them said coach reads a jerk then that probably means what oh uh, nothing you know yeah running here or there that they fell on the wrong side of didn't like being run whatever you know outlier throwaway information almost the main thing that I ended up getting out of that which reminded me and kind of even took me back to some of my high school practices was I had about 15 kids write on the paper that I only really cared about the top 10 to 12 kids at the time I read it I did not agree with it and was sitting there sorting through these things going this is the one thing that keeps being a repetitive to a certain degree but only 50% but not seeing where not seeing where the overlap is. Yeah, 50% of the kids were, were, say, were saying it. I just did not see it for a minute. But after some time... You realize the other 50% who aren't saying it are... Getting the attention. Yes, and so they don't realize that either. And they were real specific in it in the sense of 
what they felt like they were part of practice and what they felt like they weren't part of practice and what they felt like through the whole year where, where they kind of fit into the puzzle pieces and kids were falling through the cracks on that. Yeah. And I, and I remember that and it was very important for me to kind of take that. That was one of the main ingredients that came out. When you sit there and talk about the potatoes and the carrots and the, the brisket that's in the crock pot, it was really the brisket for me to sit there and take this next step into figuring out how to be more efficient in practices to push ourselves to a higher level. Number two, we had no passing attack. I think I talked about that, and you probably picked up on that a little bit. Yes. So I started a six-on-six. Six. It was the first time I've dabbled with it back now, when I was in Gordon. I do have, I'm just curious. Was, was this... Did you have a seven-on-seven template to work off of, or no? Is the only thing I'm curious about from making it. So we entered a seven-on-seven tournament the year before, a league. But within that league was Haskell, Stanford, Hamlin, and Monday, Texas. And I don't know what people that are listening to this podcast would even know about these four schools that went to Haskell, Texas to meet once a week to sit there and compete in seven-on-seven. For our kids that had no introduction of seven-on-seven, and I threw them into that, those were the four schools that we competed against. I'm about 90% sure that there's at least one boy from all four schools that has played in the NFL. There's one from Monday right now, LJ Collier with Seahawks. Yes. And then James Washington is the receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he's a man. So we were so far in over our head, and... I wound up figuring out that it's not going to sit there and pertain into what we were doing. We were a little bit right, more creative. It's not your formations, not your alignment. It's not your, right. your set. Whereas for yeah. 11-man people, for those who are, you know, you can run your trips, double. You can do all your spread formations you want. And even if you wanted to line up under centerish and do it, it all kind of translates a little bit. But for them, their offensive line is all eligible. Right. So they're they're not really able to get into those alignments because of the rules. So I figured out kind of pretty quick after that, which the six-on-six six wound up growing into a state tournament that was held in ACU. We had, re- we, had four, we, had, awesome. we had four regions, and the, it wound up being really creative in the sense that it was a predictor for the people that were competing at the state level in six-on-six six for those two years of 06 and 07, wound up being the predictor to who the people were going to be in the state championship game and state football game. Six-on-six six has kind of died down a little bit since then, but people still do it. But the rules and everything came up at that time because we could not throw the football and rule, and I had to figure out a way. That came off that questionnaire of... We had great, talented kids that are like, Coach, I just I block all the time. I block 90% of the time. From the first three years at Hamilton before this year with us being together, if you would have told me that, I would have been, you're bluffing. This is a poker game bluff. There's no way. And from watching the film now, it, it blows my mind. So the next part that I went into, we hired a guy by the name of Ryan Blacker. Some people will know who Ryan Blacker is not, but he was a first-year college kid out of West Texas A&M. I had a chance to hire a veteran guy who had lot, who had several skins on the wall and Ryan Blacker at the time. I really ended up, and he, he, he will attest to this, I really ended up did hiring his wife because people that know his wife, <laughs> she is way better than him. But obviously in the last set, uh, fast forward, spoiler alert for the people that want to research him, the last seven years he's made it to the regional tournament, the yeah. last uh, seven years, and he's been in the state basketball tournament three times. So obviously a great hire by me at that time. <laughs> You're welcome to all that in, in reading that. Number, number five, a theme every year. We were falling short because we didn't have a theme. We didn't hate anybody. We didn't. Our feet didn't hit the floor, and we we did didn't not have a uniting force. Yeah, we we were just showing up and just keep kept saying work, 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 and I didn't do that. Targets. We need to have that target. We need to yes. figure fi- out what the bullseye, bullseye we're going to focus be. on. I need to talk to kids and, and really talk to them and hear it from me. The first three years, I talked to the, a lot of parents in rural. 
and they impacted and, and took, my, took my direction because I was 20, 21, 22. I was very young at that time, and I really leaned on parents who went through some cultural stuff. So in 2005, going into that season, our target was Calvert. That was our only target. I want people to look that up on YouTube, Rule in 2005 versus Calvert. Not going to say anything of that. You can get on YouTube and you can watch that game. That was our target. They were phenomenal, a week zero football game in Heiko, Texas, and that was our target. Our season ended up ending in Newcastle. Uh, we, we lost our stud running back in Newcastle in the first round of the playoffs and then played Richland Springs the next week. Salcedo. CJ Salcedo. So we lost our running back and played Richland Springs without our best player. We were the second best team in the state of Texas, but I did not know that at the time. But our target was Calvert. And then we just rolled through the season, and we finished up number eight in the state. We didn't keep individual stats. Everything was team stats. We finished 17-6 and six in basketball. Ryan Blacker had a... a 180 degree direction of basketball X and O philosophy from me, but he did not have a change in the expectations, a diligence to details, and was the perfect hire for us. But as an assistant sitting on the bench, he was so different than what I was different. And when we talk about being an Indian, when you're the head AD and you're the head guy in charge, and then all of a sudden it's sitting there saying, hey, you got to follow this guy who's going to do things, the 180 of how you believe it. We locked horns. I feel like it's my fault that we did not make the playoffs that year. We lost to Paducah, who I don't. I think they might make the state basketball tournament that year. And then we lost to Astronauts, their little all-basketball little group. Yeah. And we lost to them with two buzzer beaters. But I felt like my buy-in was awful. And we had that conversation, Ryan and I. And after that time, we wound up sitting there turning, turning the corner. The another thing that wound up turning the key for me was sitting there and saying, I'm not going to listen to the people in track, and I'm going to learn and find my own way. Don Hood at ACU, once a week on Mondays, would get a college kid, all-American, not just some slap, right. all-American, to go to every event that they had, 17 events in track and field. Yes. And for $20 a kid would coach that kid. So I loaded up the bus with the rule players. It was it, it was just me and Ryan. And we would load the bus up and we would take them down to ACU. And we would drop them off. I'd hand coach Hood. And that time I didn't have a pot to pee in or hardly window to throw it out of. And we would sit there and pay those college kids to coach those you know, to coach my kids. That was a nugget of me learning, seeking and going outside of my comfort zone in reaching out to people who are more, way more level and intelligent right, than me. The only me. way to get better is get out of your comfort zone and seek help and move through that way. Yes. Have that growth mindset. Yes. At the 2005 football season, an event happened that was really kind of transformational for me as a coach. We lost to Richland Springs, which really wasn't on our target, to be honest with you. I told you, Calvert, Yes. if we could hit that thing and go, we'll just ride out the season. I didn't understand and learn the value of having a passion to beat somebody, to put to set that goal. Well, and to not just beat somebody, who's going to be your third or fourth round playoff matchup essentially who's going to be that person as far as to think that far ahead yeah planning think it through and go how do we really focus and finish out a season to take home a trophy right to know that in week two and three of a playoff game you have to do something every week in practice to prepare that far down the road for something yes. not just prepare for the friday night that you're about to face it's not disrespecting overlooking somebody it's that you know at some point that's going that is going to come and to not prepare for that is ignorant. So we lose on Friday night in Brownwood, Texas. We don't have our stud, our our, our, our cat daddy stud, CJ Salcedo, yeah. blows his knee out, 
and we play those guys within a two-possession game. Emory Dudensing, who goes on to be a ACU All-American yep. fullback, just has a game of his life. I'm so proud of the kids. We lose uh, Julian Menchaca, who is now a coach at Newcastle, yep. to a dislocated elbow. We were shooting blanks at, at certain points of that game. My wife sees me about 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday and is like, it's, you've pouted around long enough. And we're going to get out of the house and we're going to go. We're going to go to Abilene and we're going to go eat some ice cream and we're going to try to have a good day. I really didn't want to, but she is the boss. Y'all know that. Mm -hmm. Oh, we know. And so I get up, I get in the car and I said, that's fine. You can drive, but I don't know how I'm going to be. So as we start driving down the interstate to get ready to start heading on to Abilene, we start getting close to Holly, Texas. And she says, let's go to get some ice cream. Great. Sound, I got to get some gas anyways. Let's pull in there. So I pull in there to get the gas. Once I pull in there to get the gas, she says, I could really use some ice cream too. So I start walking in the store, get the ice cream. There's an older gentleman and a kid standing in front of me. Well, the guy turns around. He sees my rule hat on. He says, hey, you're from, you're from rule. I said, yeah, yes, sir. He said, I went to the Richland Springs rule game last night. <laughs> I said, oh, yes, sir. He goes, I haven't seen a six-man game in so long, but I told my I told my son like we need to go to the you need to see a six-man game and Rule in Richland Springs is going to be a great game to go watch. Let's drive to Brownwood and go watch that. I said, oh yes, sir. So he sits there and he goes, the better team didn't win. I said, oh, uh, yes, sir. I said, he starts telling me about the game. Well, he's mispronouncing our players' names as it's going on, which tells me he really doesn't know anything about rule. Right, he doesn't know your kids. Yeah, he doesn't know our kids at all. But his interpretation of that 45 minutes was the better team did not win. He didn't. He couldn't have told you the, the offensive player of the year is sitting there in street clothes. He couldn't tell you one of the... Much less pronounced his last name. Yeah, much less <laughs> pronounced his name. He's trying to say Duden Sung instead of Duden Sing. <laughs> and... Hey, at least he got close. Let's give him some credit for getting close. Like, okay, some people close. may it's not even remember. They wouldn't remember numbers or names. Word, but. So I, t I was just being as polite as I can. I've learned that through my years. I'm being as polite as I can. And he's just hammering it home. Mistakes, mistakes, this, this. He's got it figured out. So we get done and he says, I didn't catch your name. I said, my name is Mike Reed. Oh, he didn't. It didn't mean nothing to him. He no. had no. He had no clue. And he told me his name. So I was like, "Yes, sir. Nice to meet you." And what do you do? Look it up. I said, "Well, I'm the head football coach." Oh yeah. At rule. Sorry, I've never got to have that moment. So he just stares at me for a second, <laughs> and I just turn around. I don't get my ice cream. I put it back in the box. And I walk back to the car. <laughs> Michelle says, "Did you not get ice cream?" I said, "I didn't get any ice cream. No, I got I got some medicine instead, and I didn't like it." That fueled me, and that got us into our next part. I was fueled. So some of the nuggets that I got out was we didn't have a target. I was at you know we wound up being one of the top three teams in the state, but I realized how important having a target was for the year. We were on to something. Having your hair on fire is a heck of a way to coach. But doing it with a purpose and with a plan is that much more is that much more valuable. So we get into this next part that's called no looking back. And that's really our 2006 and 2007 seasons at Rule. I really got some nuggets out of this, but didn't realize some of this part till later after the fact. In 2006, we had a really special group. Things that probably, I don't know if they'll be replicated. I hope not, so that this group well, can stand that. One of them will be. We, uh, we played Happy, who was one of the top-ranked teams in the state of Texas, and we played them on Thanksgiving. They had a nose guard that everybody on every message board and newspaper said was one of the best nose guards ever. Now, they had a quarterback being looked at by West Texas A&M as well, but I knew that we could handle certain things. But this kid was one that was going to be an issue for us. 
So I figured out in practice, I'm going to put this kid in practice. I'm going to put my best scout team in practice. I'm going to put him off sides every day in practice and create as much misery as I can for my team. Well, we had fist fights and tussles. It was a very, very oh, I can remember. frustrating time. We did this at Hamilton, and I can remember. To, yeah. get, to get ready for that. To, to make the scout team cheat to get ready for a playoff game. But I didn't care. My, I was fired up. There's not going to be somebody in some gas station pull up to me and say this again. We still do this to this day. And I do love it because it's a great way to show we're going to get better. And I don't care if we have to cheat. We're going to get better. So this guy sits there and says, my, my center and my tight end who had to, who had to fight, who had to fight this, this guy that's cheating off sides for yes. three weeks. Yes. Coach, it ain't going to be, he ain't that good. It ain't going to be like this. I said, yeah, it is. I'm sitting there in my pregame speech in Floyd Ada, Texas on Thanksgiving night telling these boys they're going to have to be ready to play and that this nose guard's going to destroy us. The center and tight end say, Coach, we're tired of hearing this and we're tired of it. We will go home in 45-point rule. Well, we did. We went home at halftime. They were ranked in the top five. And that little part of what they wound up selling to me was, Coach, you, you over-prepared us. You made practice so much harder than what it was in the game that we knew by the definitely by the soon as the, the possession was done. We knew going into that you made it that much harder. But we had so much confidence, but also when we – put our hands on that guy and snapped the ball and he wasn't in that gap and he wasn't there like you said he was going to be. He was about two steps behind. We had it. Like, we 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 had it. We went on to play Meadow and talking about some of the nuggets and things that we ended up learning. Meadow brought every team back from being a state semifinal team the year before. So they had everybody back. Everybody back. They had two kids go on to be offensive linemen in college. They had a coach's son, a coach's son which... He is now uh, the defensive coordinator for Lubbock Cooper right now. The, the oh. daddy is. The son went, wound up being a college hurdler. They had all the pieces back to win the state championship. They were big, they were athletic, and they were fast. Well, I kind of knew what we were doing to that point was not going to work defensively. But right. I had learned our lesson to make sure that we do what? To be prepared. We got to be us. Yeah. We have to be oh, us. Yeah, believe, you, have to be you. you yeah, can't change everything just because of, hey, this may not work against them, but you can't hit the panic button because when you hit the panic button, your kids go, yeah. Uh oh, what? Why are we changing Absolutely. all of a sudden? So I go and I I meet with uh, Nelson Campbell and I talk with Nelson and we go through this and we end up getting on two separate pages of what we need to end up doing. Oh, to be a fly on the wall for those conversations. So. He's telling me I'm wrong. I'm telling him I'm right. But I'm also listening to him because maybe he's right and I'm wrong. But my history going back ended up telling me I have to sit there and I'm going to sink or swim with what we're going to do. And I made some minor tweaks and modifications to what we ended up doing. Right. Meadow got one first down in the game. And we went home at the start of the third quarter. Wow. Our target that year, though, was Richland Springs. Every okay. drill that we did in practice, everything that we did from and the coaches that listen to this, the things that they do, we did everything, 30 minutes a day, preparation for what we're going to get. Whether our kids knew it or not knew it, but they definitely knew why we were doing what we were doing and where our focus and, and attention was and expectation was for that year. Well, I lost... The defensive player of the year, which was the people that listened to the earlier podcast, Stephen Pace. Oh, yeah. Tore his knee up in the state semifinal game, getting cut on a kickoff right before the end of the game. Ugh. So we didn't have the defensive player of the year in that in that game, and we end up losing to Richland Springs because they recovered two onside kicks, and that was the difference in the game. We were trading back and forth the whole game, and we lost. We lost the game. But our target... In basketball, we knew was Astromont. Okay. 
That, that's who knocked us out on the buzzer beaters. That's where our focus was. Well, we ended up beating those guys. We ended up knocking them out and, and, and heading on to the regional tournament and, and losing in the regional, you know, regional tournament. But it was one of those things that we sat there and started learning the power of having a focus and a target to whether you're a 15-0 a team or an 0-10 team, you better hit the floor and your feet hit the floor with some kind of purpose. You can make, you can blow it up and pretend it to be something, but in the end, you better get to where, you know, th that target. Well, in the track, and when I told you that we were heading to ACU and we were doing all this stuff, and we talked about some of the Kitley, Kitley stuff, they're 800 runners. You can go back to ACU record books. You can go back to the state championship in UIL. They're 155, 800 kids, all of them, every one of them. They are national champions at, at, at ACU University. They are 147s in the 800. You run wow. the 800 if you have a, the last name of Kitley. Well, I had a kid who was not an 800 runner. And listening to the people in the community, listening to the parents, and listening to different things, I watched this kid fail time and time again in the 800 to finally to the point where we're like, okay, you're out. You're going to run the 200. And this is what you're going to run. You say Cade? Uh-huh. Okay. So Cade, and just so people know at that time, you only take two kids to the regional trap meet, or from the regional trap meet. There's no wild card. You're yeah. going to take two kids from the regional trap meet, and you're going to go. And still to this day, there's no, it's 2A, it's 2A. So six-man schools run against 2A. Yes. Okay. Well, the two best kids was actually six-man kids from Vernon Northside, Texas, north of Wichita Falls, and Ashmont, Texas. Both those kids are state champions in the 100 and 200 at different points and the 400. Jesus. So I got to tell Cade, hey, I'm going to pull you out of what your lineage has always said that you're going to be and train you to do this. And we're going to work our tail off and we're going to get to the regional meet and we're going to try to make it to state in this. I have the picture at my house to this day on my wall to where he sits there and he is out leaning and wins the regional track meet. Wow. He gets a brutal draw at the state track meet and gets lane one and does not meddle. Lane one's brutal, and he get and he gets that. At, at I hated the, lane one at the state meet and should have meddled and As been you one can of the tell, top. I'm the I'm the third fastest in this room because I'm the only one who did not have a reaction to hearing lane one. It was I don't a, know what that means. <laughs> it was a great time, but it also taught me to what I told told you earlier that my nuggets were coming in. I'm gonna really start really owning my ownership in the track part. I'm going to revolve my round around people. Henry Anderson, Ted Sellers. Oh. I'm gonna sit there and when I'm going to live on the phone with these guys to figure out the workouts that has to do. So during that time. 2006, 2005, and all those years, we I finished up with a football record of 55 and 11. Okay. I found an inner circle of coaches I could talk to that I could trust. And that was the most important part of that time. We want we became the only six-man school to win the state track meet outright. Another school tied. Another school, Bonnie Richardson, a girl, won the state track meet by herself. But at that time, we were the only Jesus. school to win the state track meet by outright. And then we turned right around and in 2007 did it again. It was just a great time of investment, placing a target, and trying, and trying to win. So the nuggets that I ended up getting out of that that I didn't really realize at the time that wound up coming up later was when you win... You tend to not go back and reflect on why you lost or what errors you made because winning at the time winds up trumping. You feel like, well, we won, and if we lost, here's the moral Here's the moral yes. reason why we lost. Well, and it, yeah, the same thing of history is not written by, written by the losers. History is written by the winners. If you win, you get to say whatever you want. It's right. really the way everybody looks at it. So we sit there, 
and 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 finish up and finish up those years and I realized that it's time to kind of start looking at 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 moving on and looking at the next step into my chapter of where I want to go. Rules attendance was shrinking down to hardly anything. So I'm getting called by some other schools entertaining that option and Throckmorton is one is one of those calls. Well everybody was telling me do not go to Throckmorton. They're on their fourth head coach. You'd be the fourth head coach in four years. They have super high expectations. Just this might be a graveyard for you to kind of go to. Right. Family-wise, we sat down. We visited about it. I was confident enough in what we had done and where we've been that it was whatever adversity ended up being handed to me that I felt like I could I could handle that adversity despite the despite those pressures. Okay. So this little part is called the paper towels. So we get through our first days in 2008. We get through our first first days of two-a-days. School's starting up. It's a WPA gym. Whoop, whoop. And you've been in those those places. This this actually locker room is underneath the gymnasium. Is this still the same gym? Yes. Yeah, because we played there this year. Yeah, we walked in and it's a little bit different. You don't feel like you're going to a locker room. It's like a bomb shelter. So we go back to facilities, think of rural facilities and how bare to nothing they are and the successes we had. So I now know, hey, facilities don't mean much. But I'm sitting down into this dungeon and this 70-year-old man comes in there and he stands and he leans against the door frame, got his hand behind his back. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to get shot. I mean, I have no clue what's about to it's happen. It's not a fun feeling. But we, I've made it through two a days at least in Throckmorton, <laughs> Texas. Haven't been fired yet or cussed out yet or anything like that. He says, hey, Coach Reed, i got to tell you something. I said, yeah, yes, sir. He says, you know how about a month ago there was an article written? I said, uh, yeah, not sure which one. He goes, the one in the first sentence says, Throckmorton goes through coaches like people go through paper towels. I was like, oh, mm. uh, yes, sir. He said, well, reaches behind his, or has his hand behind his back, turns it out, and throws me a new roll of paper towels wrapped in plastic. He says, I figure if you keep these paper towels in your office, maybe Throckmorton won't go through them, and you can stay for a while. <laughs> it ended up being the really great start of, some amazing years of raising a family and and coaching for me. So in 2008, we wound up being eight and three. We were the district champs in football. They were a great group. I I, I wouldn't have gave up the rule group, but I really felt like if they had had some stability through those years, they would have been playing for a state championship. Well, they, how long have they been six men at this point? They went to six men in 2004. So this so that would this have is, been their fourth year. Yes. So they had just dropped down. Yes. Essentially. Yes. I went in there with the same plan that I didn't rule. Didn't know any different. Hey, now we know to put a target. Now we know kind of some things to focus on. This is how we're going to handle some intensities of practices. I felt like kids were more involved. Right. We had 21 turnovers all in three losses. We had no turnovers in any other games, but we had... Three losses on the year, and we had seven in each one of those losses. Good Lord. And all seven losses, we lost by four points. Really? Ironic. I mean, you, you, mean can, all, you mean all three losses with yeah, seven all three turnovers yeah. you lost by? That doesn't even make sense. Yeah, so each game, we're oh sitting, my God. each game we lost by four points. So we lose to Paducah, or we lose to Follett, my my. My quarterback, who winds up going being a college uh, uh, tight end, uh, dislo- yes. dislocates his shoulder. So we lose to Follette on right at the end of the game. But then we turn right around and play Paducah in district. We are beating Paducah. Last play of the game, kid throws the ball, but we have our hands in. It's incomplete, and we have our hands inside of his shoulder pads. The guy goes down, flag. They get another play. Uh well, they throw a jump ball up in the corner of the end zone, out jump us and pull it down, and they beat us. Well, now we have to play Vernon Northside, who has the kid who has been the state champion in the 100, 400, and 200, as well as they got another kid by the name of Zach Agnew that goes on and plays at ACU. So they have that type of talented team that's out there. 
Well, we have to beat them by 11. Unreal, I'm nervous. This is I've never been in a situation in it, to force a three-way tie to be district champs. You have to win by 11 points, let alone win. Now you have the pressure of having to win by a game. So I call a gr- good friend of mine. I call Ty Adams. Ty Adams, I said, give me some advice. He sits there and he says, this is pretty simple. Has your kids ever heard you cuss? I said, I mean, very rarely. I mean, this when is I, hilarious to me. When, when I do, when I do, yeah, I mean, I think they would know to perk up and listen. He says, all right. Before you leave out of that locker room for that first kickoff, I want you to throw the F-bomb out three times. I'm like, oh, shoot, I don't know if I can work that into my speech. but <laughs> Okay, I'm in. I'm in. At the end of the first quarter, it's 24 nothing. We're down. We're losing. Golly. So I didn't listen, even going back to some other things. Just because you ask for advice, still be who you are. So, fourth quarter comes around. We're trailing by less than a touchdown. We're on the four-yard line. It's fourth and 18. I fake punt it. We get the first down. Penalty. They march it back. Now it's fourth and 15. We get the three, We get gain three yards because of the play. So now it's uh, fourth and 15, and we're at the back of our end zone. I fake it again touchdown we proceed to win the game and Golly. and win by 13 points and we get the first round seed in the playoffs we wind up playing garden city in the in the playoffs we have seven turnovers to their none and we lose by four points in 2008 in 2008 okay the nuggets that i ended up really getting out of that that you didn't realize at the time was the vision part we really still didn't quite have our vision. Rule learned to have their vision. When I left Rule, they had a basketball team that was hungry to beat us, that was eager and fired up to beat us. And they actually forced a tie with us in into that playoff. Just off that vision. I lost that vision going into Throckmorton. I didn't I didn't know to have that vision and and lost that. I took the work part, but not that next part. Okay. 2009, this part's called It Matters. It Matters. In 2009, I had a phenomenal football team. We finished the season 11-1. and It was the really start of some really good things that were coming up. It's one of my worst losses that I, that I have felt as a coach because we should have won. That last game, we should have won. We played on Thanksgiving weekend in Merkle, Texas. Our best player... One of our well, well, our best player, senior. We end up talking every time that we play on Thanksgiving. Just the power of the tur- eating the turkey, and don't eat turkey. Just don't eat it. Stay away from it. It's gonna make you lethargic. Don't do it. Do I know all the scientific stuff to it? Not sure, but we all know enough. When you eat turkey and you have Thanksgiving, you're tired and lethargic. Well, this kid brags that he ended up eating turkey. And coach, I ate turkey. I'm be good. I'm ready to go. I'd end up when the game's on the line. He was out. He played one of his worst games, and he couldn't go at the end of the game. He was he was he was gassed out. Couldn't do it. The reason it's called it matters. I don't know if it's right or not right. But though, that's what you're told to do. Yeah, it, that makes me think of my first year with y'all at Hamilton with Braxton. His big thing was, the door's blue. Like, it's blue. For those people who probably, everybody probably doesn't know, at Hamilton, every door on the field house is painted red. But we told the kids, like, if I tell you those two back doors are blue and we're going out the blue door to go warm up, you don't ask what door. You know it's the back two doors to the field house. And I can remember for me, I was so fired up in that. Like I was like, let's start painting them blue on the inside. Let's do it. And we had kids who I'm trying to do it without anyone knowing, wanting to do it. And you're like, calm down, college kid. <laughs> but we have high school kids yeah. who are going, the door is red, you schizophrenic. What are you talking about? And that's, I think, that, you know, just some of the buy-in. It does matter. It was kind of the first time, and I think that's why the loss came to me so ha- came to me so hard. Because at that point, I had the buy-in. But now I was starting to figure out the other parts to being a successful coach. 
and then all of a sudden to not have the buy-in of somebody that was at the most elite level. To take it one step further, he was a 44, 45-foot triple jumper. He was picked. This kid was going to go to go the Good state. Lord. Was going to go to the state track meet. The senior class decides to take a roller skating trip the week before the uh, district track meet. I said, "Hey, listen." Go have fun, do these things, but do not get on the roller skate and do not do this. He's like, okay, coach. Well, he gets there and everybody's having fun, and doing their exactly stuff. exactly what he does. He goes and skates and slips and bruises his tailbone Aww. to such a... That he can't even triple jump 39 feet at district and doesn't advance. It just wound up becoming a nugget of that of that install of like sometimes somebody might be the best kid, but you may have a backup that's gonna be better because they are bought in. They believe the door's blue. Oh yeah. Well, 2010 comes in, and 2010 is my most athletic, talented team I've ever had. Now, anybody listening to this from oh. You know, the Richland Springs people, if they were on here, they'd say, man, that old 5 team was pretty dang good. You know, they would talk about some of these things. People will talk about this. But the 2010 team was a season for me that really ended up sitting there setting the tone. So now that we're getting closer to the fire pit talk, like, hey, where is this coming? This part is called the season. I, I had to start the season, and we had some issues with just kids just being a little bit wild it's also now social media is easier to start keeping track of people and going through things but this part ended up being the part where in the summertime i had to suspend five seniors not just five seniors five all staters first team all staters and you're only putting six on the field in case anyone forgot I go to coaching school, and that's when I heard about it. So I tell those people at coaching school, like, this is what's going to happen. I, they're going to be suspended. I knew some things were coming in. There were some issues. There was the buy-in issues. There was We just had some different issues on this that I'd never been questioned as, as a coach of having to go through. But as a staff, you start leaning together and bonding together going, at some point, we're going to be the Alamo, and we're going to fortify this fort. So these guys sit there. And I suspend them. And I meet with all the parents. It's really the first time in my life, so you're talking into my 30s now, that I can't believe that a parent would sit across the table and defend a, or defend their kid when a police officer is citationing them, telling them exactly what their kid did, and they're calling a police officer a liar, and they're calling anybody that felt like that, even though that's they might have got caught then, but everybody that knew what they were doing prior right. to this that person, point. This person's a liar. These people are doing it. They're doing it. Why is it just my little baby? Yeah, I had never, ever been faced with that up to that point. Just just didn't know how to handle it. It was so new to me. I had some really strong guys that I worked with on the staff. Jason Blankenship and, and Blaine Davis. My wife, who I could lean on to. That we had some really character strong people on our staff well we were playing the number two team in the state at the time uh, Follette we were ranked right behind them at number three the thing that everybody in the world was like we have to win this game Throckmorton has a pride to them we have to win this game the six man world was ready for a week one game clash of the titans well and also too y'all were playing in Heiko at the six-man classic. Right. The Super Saturday six-man classic, which, I mean, they were the, was that the original yes. one of those? I mean, yeah. so you're talking about big-time Clash of the Titans at what's essentially the granddaddy of them all for shootouts for week zero, week one, whatever you want to call it. So it's got some build-up to it. I can see that. I probably should have been turned into CPS because... We went through two scrimmages to where all I heard behind me was I'm starting the backups and JV kids in every scrimmage to get ready for this game. Five first-team All-Staters are standing behind me, rotating in. They are now the backups 
because I know at some point they're going to come back and play, so oh, I still yeah. have to get them ready. Yeah. But these other guys are taking the rain. And in the end, we're going to have a clash with the number two team in the state of Texas in Heiko, Texas. And there's going to be a group of people ready to watch this game. So is the first time that I saw kids fake remorse. I'm sorry, coach. I'm sorry. Blah, 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 blah. And fake remorse. And start faking pulling for their teammates. With that coming into it, the thing that ended up being really important for me is our backups ended up saying, Coach, they're saying we're going to get killed. 45. People on the message boards, people in our community, they're saying we're going to get 45. Yeah. I told Heiko, we want to be visitors. Why do we want to be visitors? So we can wear white. We can wear white. Is this Wade or Keith at this point? This is Wade. Wade, okay. It was hot. It was a 3 o'clock game. It's 115 degrees. Oh, and at that Rock Stadium, there is no wind. Follett shows up in their black jerseys. <laughs> they have unbelievable animals. Unbelievable. I can remember. You have the picture from in your it's in your living room from the game, and they have some full-grown men. It, it's men versus boys in this situation. Yes. The JV and backups are playing in this game. So we sit there, and the game's going on, and it's it's close, but they're beating us. They're they're better than us. Right. But as the game gets going on, we all of a sudden are like, hey, we're within a touchdown. Now, why to this day? I don't know. I haven't had this conversation. Would love to know the answer to this. But they just have to run the clock out. They're within a one. They're within less than one possession of the game. But they just they have it. They have the first down to be able to run the clock out. So they run a traditional spread formation. They didn't have the handy newfangled statistical sheets that we'll get into in a later podcast. They run a play. Oh. We intercept this fumbled. I mean, Hold we, up. we hit the. They kid. not only ran a play, well, they threw it. We hit it. We hit it out of him, and it goes up. I don't know. He's just throwing it up because he's being sacked, and he's throwing it up. Well, first off, not only did they run uh, a play, they ran out of spread. Yes. <laughs> what the. And we, we get the ball. So there's 40-something seconds left, and we get the ball. I'm like, hey, okay. It's, there's light at the end of the tunnel, baby, and it ain't a train. Here we go. It's fourth and forever, and we have a kid who doesn't even shave yet, but people that follow six, man, he, this kid ain't even fathomly ready for this conversation yet. We throw the ball up to a kid by the name of Gary Farquhar. Oh, yeah. We said, listen, it's fourth and forever. Tucker Brown, just throw the football up to this, and let's. It's all we got. Give it, yeah. He heaves it. Not only does he catch it, he catches it while he's being tackled, and catches it with one hand for the first down, down on the goal line. Clock's ticking, ticking down, ticking down. I'm like, dude, I think we're gonna win this game. We run the most basic. You'll call a play. We run the most basic play that we can run. We just run junior high T thirty four. T thirty four. There we go. And they're so exhausted. They're so tired. And we've ran these kids so much preparing for this game that we win the game. It's called the breakthrough. And with starting that breakthrough, I. So mad at myself and owe so many kids, so many apologies into this conversation with the breakthrough. When those kids came back off su- suspension, what did I end up doing? You played them. I did. Even though I had some coaches telling me, Coach, they're not, they're still, they're not changed. Like, this hasn't changed them. But I'm naive. You know me. You've been around me enough. I'm a bleeding heart guy. Mike J. And I and I felt like, man, these guys are they're telling me the truth and, and I'm seeing some change and, and I, I was giving these giving people the benefit of the doubt. So I pulled the I, I I they wound up starting. And we had a great football year. I mean great football year. We ended up being fourteen and one. We get to the state championship. Except cha- the one is what? Well we get to the state championship game and we lose. 
Yeah. And the whole time prior to the state championship game, the younger classmen are just, they're bitter. You could see the bitterness was building as the season was going that these guys who are not doing things right behind the scenes can't catch them. Can't catch them. They're so far down the river, they're not being caught. But they know what's going on and that they did everything right. But now they're, they're not in the limelight. So at that time, we lose the state championship game. Garden City ends up putting on the inside of the ring, we own Throckmorton. At that time, at that time, we lose the state championship football game, and I rock, we load up the bus, we eat our team dinner, and we load up on the way home. Do you know how many seniors were on the bus? I do, from this story. I do know. Zero. Yeah. So we're riding back on the bus, and the kids that played minimum roles that that were that subbed in and tried to do their part were the ones that were there at the lowest of lowest times, and telling us, "Coach, we're not going to let this happen again." Yeah. Now, in hindsight, the group that's on the bus is telling me this. You know how good they were in junior high? How good? Not very good. Oh yeah. I mean, they were that junior high team. You're well, like. And- yeah, I mean they Gary, weren't they weren't very good. Well, and Gary hadn't become correct. Gary, yeah, we had kids that hadn't and, become a man. And uh, CJ and um, Levi. So my situation in this was, I don't necessarily say that that at that time that Garden City owned us and be able to put that ring in there. And I've had these conversations with them. They had their outlaws like we had our outlaws. Right. They handled it the way they handled it. We handled it the way we did it. And at that day, it was just two outlaws sitting there, sitting there to me in that room, and they had their good kids, and we had we had our few good kids too. But in the end, it was just two teams that were great in talent battling it out. But we didn't come out on top because of some things that are going to end up being that conversation around a fire pit. So fast forward, fast forward, we start basketball season. One of our studs, senior kid, gets in trouble, gets suspended again. Mm. Instead of fighting it, instead of waiting out of suspension, what's he do? Quits, checks it in. Checks it in. Don't want to do it. So we take now this group, as things start trailing downhill of the upperclassmen, and we take this group and we say, guys, we're going to piece together with what we got and we're going to go through this year. Which led to where we finally, Blaine Davis hollers at me. He says, hey, I got a fire going. Let's sit in the backyard. Let's have some good conversation. But let's really talk about which direction we're going to end up taking. And for us, that's going to be part three. That fire pit conversation and what happened after that conversation. I like it. All right, this has been uh, part two of our little mini-series on the man, Mike Reed, and his experiences. It's been real and it's been fun, but it ain't been real fun. We'll get back to y'all on part three of this.